Well, welcome to the Saturday 11 o'clock Humility Step 7 Principal Meeting. My name is Nancy, and I am a compulsive overeater and your leader for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. Thanks, God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off. Okay. Also, to protect anonymity, no photographing, auto, audio, or visual recording is allowed by OA members. This meeting is being recorded by Region 2. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format for this meeting is one-hour session as, as follows. I will read an expert from a piece of OA literature, share for 25 minutes, followed by three-minute shares for those who wish to share. The topic for the session is humility. Step seven. The following is a reading from, and I'm going to go ahead and read, and then I'm going to qualify. So, okay. This is from AA's 12 by 12, page 70. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Since this step is so specifically concerns itself with humility, we should pause here to consider what humility is and what the practice of it can mean to us. Indeed, the attainment of greater humility is the foundation principle of each OA's 12 steps. For without some degree of humility, no compulsive overeater can stay sober at all. Nearly all OAs have found, too, that unless they develop much more of this precious quality that they may be required just for sobriety, they still haven't much of a chance of being truly happy. Without it, they cannot live too much useful purpose or an adversary be able to summon the faith that can meet, many, meet any, any emergencies. Humility as a word and as an ideal has had a very bad time in our world. Not only is the idea misunderstood, the word itself is often intensely disliked. Many people haven't even a nodding acquaintance with humility as a way of life. Much of the everyday talk we hear and a great deal of what we read highlights man's pride in his own achievement. With great intelligence, men of science have been forcing nature to disclose her secrets. The immense resources now being harnessed promise such a quantity of material blessings that many have come to believe that a man-made million lies just ahead. Poverty will disappear, and there will be a, such an abundance that everybody can have all the security and personal satisfa satisfactions he desires. The theory seems to be that once everybody's primary instincts are satisfied, there won't be much left to quarrel about. The world will then turn happy and be free to concentrate on culture and character. Solely by their own intelligence and labor, men will have shaped their own destiny. Certainly no compulsive overeater and surely no member of OA wants to um, depreciate material achievement. Nor do we enter into a debate with m the many who still passionately cling to the belief that to satisfy our basic natural desires is the main objective of life. But we are sure that no class of people in the world ever made a worse mess of trying to live by this formula than compulsive overeaters. For thousands of years, we have been demanding more than our fair share of security, prestige, and romance. When we seem to be succeeding, we drank to dream still greater dreams. When we were frustrated even in part, we ate for oblivion. 
Never was there enough of what we thought we wanted. In all these strivings, so many of them, well-intentioned, our crippling handicap had been our lack of humility. When we lacked the perspective to see that character building and spiritual values had to come first and that material satisfactions were not the purpose of living, quite characteristically, we had gone all out in confusing the ends with the means. Instead of regarding the satisfaction of our material desires as the means by which we could live and function as human beings, we had taken these satisfactions to be the final end and aim of life. Now I will start to share. Um, when I think of humility, I kind of go back to being probably like, and I was in my disease. Let me, let me do a real quick qualification. My name is Nancy. I am a compulsive overeater. I'll start with who I am. And I am down 100 pounds on my way um, towards a healthy body weight. Um, been in OA three times. First time, I was 25, um, 25, 26, something like that. My uh, brother had came up to me. He was in another 12-step program and said, I think this 12-step program might be really good for you and handed me a gray sheet of paper. And I looked at that gray sheet of paper and I didn't see any potatoes on it or bread. <laughs> and I said, this is not for me. <laughs> um, but I had an idea that I saw something in potatoes and bread that could give me what I could not give myself, which was a sense of calm, a sense of sanity. And I wasn't ready to give it up. I hadn't heard enough. But I ended up in a class where part of the class assignment was to go to a 12-step meeting. And so a friend and I, that's what we did. We went to an OA meeting, and I went, and I lost weight. Imagine that. (laughs) Um, Started looking pretty good. Um, Started garnering attention from men. Um, promptly got pregnant and left (laughs) and said, I'm not going back to that program. Um, It's dangerous. (laughs) They get results. Um, So I think I was like 31, 32, and um, I I was hurting, and I knew I was hurting. I was numb. I was dead to the world, and I was like, therapy OA, therapy OA. I didn't want to do either because I didn't have a lot of humility. I didn't have a lot of humility in that either I thought I was better than you um, because that's just kind of how I saw the world. Uh, you, you need to be the captain of your own ship. Those are some of the messages that I got. You need to um, you know, take direction, um, but your own direction. Nobody can tell you what to do. Or I was less than. But either way, I was on two ends of a continuum that didn't allow for me to be teachable, which is my shorthand definition of what humility is, is that I am teachable, that I'm open to what other people have to say, what the universe has to say, um, and that I take action based on that. Because for me, my higher power is a higher power of mystery. Um, So every day is a mystery. I never know really what's going to happen with the day but I don't have to because I have good early direction in the big book where you do the morning reading and it basically it just tells me as I turn it all over to my higher power and then I go out there and and I just do the next right thing the best I can and um, so kind of going back to my story I'm 31 I'm trying to make a decision do I do therapy or do I do OA and I was just like I'm not doing OA the last time I ended up with a child I love my child. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I love him a lot. He's 25. (laughs) We made it through. Um, But I had a lot of fear. And I was over 
by this time well over 100 pounds um, in weight. I think I, was, I, I wasn't quite close to 300 pounds. Two, 296 was my high weight. I wasn't cl- quite close to that, but I was there. And I, went to, I, I ended up going to therapy, and the guy said, well, I really can't help you with your weight, and what we probably will end up doing here will probably make it worse. Uh, he was at least honest, and, and it did. I ate, and I ate, and I ate. Um, and so I, I did finally come back. Um, I think it was in 2004. And uh, I came back because one of, my, uh, one of my definitions of abstinence back when I was 26 was that I would not go to fast food places. And I hadn't. I spent a lot of money in restaurants. But I had not gone back to fast food places, making up children um, that I did not have ordering multiple meals and those kind of things. But I had a, I had a fast food graveyard wrapper underneath my front seat of my car because I think I figured, you know, as long as you scrunch those paper wrappers up and put them underneath your seat, they don't count. Um, and so I went in pretty dejected, demoralized, and desperate. And it, literally, OA was the last house on the block for me. And so I went into the meeting, and what I found was I was met with acceptance and love and the tears started to come um, immediately and I'm from Kansas I'm out here I'm on vacation in the hottest place on earth I don't don't quite understand that but whatever (laughs) Um, so you know we have a very very small group Um, I would say that it's not a very strong group and uh, I had a lot of confusion over what is abstinence, what is a food plan, but I kept on trying to do it my way, which my way was I did not want to do the steps. The steps scared me. The spirituality scared me. I don't know what the fear was all about, but it, it, it frightened me, and I didn't want to do it, and so I wasn't going to do it, so I just focused on the tools. That was my program, focusing on the tools. I'd write, and I'd go to meetings, and I'd share. And they do a little bit of service, not a lot of service. Because those people doing service, they did the steps. And they had sponsors, and I didn't want to do that. Um, I liked, I don't know if I liked my isolation. I felt comfortable in my isolation because I felt like it was the only thing that I, that I was worth was to be isolated. So I um, kind of, you know, I'd go back up and down, up and down. I'd have abstinence, wouldn't have abstinence. I, I couldn't really get clear. And as as this program is true, or at least for me, is, is I, I received the gift of desperation. And I think I finally had decided I have to do the steps. I'd seen AA work for my brother. He died sober. Um, he had serenity. I, I saw it. I saw recovery. I saw spirituality. I saw what the gifts and the promises were for the program. And I'd seen them in other people. The line of work that I do professionally, I'd seen the promises. So I knew, I knew it worked. And, and I was stomping around a dog park thinking, well, I guess I'm going to have to go back to those online meetings because I guess I'm just one of those low-bottom eaters that I'm just going to have to have more help, which was really humiliating to me. I didn't see it as teachable. I didn't see it as garnering support. I saw it in all the negative ways that you could. And, and so I went onto the website to do, to, with the intent to do the online meetings. I ended up doing, finding the telephone meetings. And in my state, my town, there's two meetings. No, at that time, there was one meeting. Now we have two meetings. Um, and the telephone meetings were a godsend for me. 
because I could get up in the morning at 5.45 in the morning, I could get on a meeting, and I could listen to 150 uh, 50 other OA people talking about recovery. And I could get on at 10 o'clock, and I could get on at 12 o'clock, I could get on at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. I could, I could stay on the phone all day long, and I did at first. I did to the point where my unlimited local long-distance service told me that I was using it too much, and it was no longer free. <laughs> so I had to switch. <laughs> um, but at, at that time, I also found the, the LA website, the intergroup website with all the podcasts, and those were a godsend. Because then I started hearing some recovery that had that, that piece of attraction rather than promotion. I was starting to hear people in OA talk about their stories, their experience, strength, and hope that said, I want to be this way. This is how I want to live my life. These people are changing. They have something that I don't have. Um, and these small steps of my willingness to be humble and to just accept a little bit of help, um, th- it's what saved me. It's, it's what gave me my miracle in my miracle of recovery. And so what ended up happening was I had um, listened to a woman on one of the podcasts, and her recovery story kind of sounded like mine. She had a thing for chips. I had a thing for chips. Like I'd want to rub my body with them. Um, I really like chips. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I started praying, you know, and I'd pray for things like, God, please let me throw this food away <laughs> when it comes to the end of, end of my meal, you know. And for a while I would do that. And, and then I prayed, please, God, l- let me contact these people in L.A. and just see if this woman would be willing to talk to me. And I did, and she was. Um, but she wasn't willing to be my sponsor. Um, and I was okay with that because it, it, it gave me another little brick in the road. I had another brick in the road of where I needed to go. And I found a sponsor online, and I lost 70 pounds, and things seemed to be going pretty good, and I was doing my fourth step, and then my sponsor just kind of disappeared. I think she may have had a death in the family. I'm not really sure. Um, But um, she disappeared. I stopped going to meetings. Um, I had a surgery. I had a knee replacement, and I started gaining weight again because – as I tell my new sponsor, I, I got back on the Food Network. I call that my porn channel, you know, where I can start obsessing about food. Um, and so I called the one woman back because I was desperate. I was starting to eat again. I was starting to go into fast food places. And, and I knew where this was going. I knew that I had to reach out. I knew that humility meant being teachable and that I could not get out of my own sick thinking that I needed another human being. And so I called her, and she said, why don't you come out to, to California and, and do, a, do a workshop on, on recovery? And I said, okay. And I'm, like, thinking, what the hell were you thinking? And then I was like, they're Californians. They're all going to be skinny and blonde, <laughs> and they're going to have hot bodies. <laughs> and I don't have any of that. But I ate my way across the state of Kansas and the state of Nevada and the state of whatever. And airports were hard for me. <laughs> it was this anonymous free food in my mind. Um, and the lady who ended up becoming my sponsor was the one that had volunteered to pick me up at the airport to go to this workshop. 
So, and I, I went out here with the intent of God, I need to get a sponsor. Um, wasn't able to find one in Kansas. Maybe that was, you know, lack of willingness. I'm not sure. I, I think it was more of a God thing. I think God knew I needed somebody and uh, found, the, found the person that was right for me. And uh, so we're driving in the car. We get up there. And at some point during this weekend, the lady says, well, those of you, those of you who are sponsoring, please stand up. Everybody stood up. And uh, there's probably, I don't know, room of 60, 70 people, and probably 12 people stood up. And then she said, those of you who need a sponsor, go ask them. And so I got up to ask this lady if she would be willing to sponsor me, but a bunch of people, there's a gaggle of people all around her, and I thought, oh, I can't do that. And then I went back to my, my seat, and I was, I was demoralized again because I wasn't turning things over to my higher power. I didn't have the humility to trust that I would be okay, to have that faith. That was like a small emergency. And it talks about if we have humility, then we have the faith to trust in our higher power, that it will work out. Um, Later that weekend, I did ask, and I did get a sponsor. Um, And I still have the same sponsor that I've had for a while. And I've learned a lot. I mean, I've I've lost... um, I hadn't gained all my weight back, but um, total I've lost 100 pounds down from where I was at my top weight. Um, but I've probably lost more as far as mental garbage than anything else. I'm a completely different person um, from the way I dress. When I first came to, to California, and most of the time how I dressed was in men's sweats, in men's college basketball T-shirts. That's what I wore. And that's because that's the only thing I was comfortable in. Um, I was so frightened I had so many fears and so little trust in my higher power. Um, But in doing the steps, what I learned was that I do have a higher power. I don't have to understand my higher power. That was probably the first Christmas. This, this, I think this workshop happened like in October, and I think it was like in Christmas. We were talking one day with my sponsor, and I said, you know, this stuff really works. It really works, and it's a mystery. I don't understand it, but it works. And so, and I put up my Christmas tree that year, and I was mad, you know, because I'm a compulsive eater, so I had resentments because my son wasn't being the son that I wanted him to be. He was being 20. (laughs) He wasn't real interested in Christmas trees or being with family. He was interested in doing his stuff, but I took it personal because that's what I did as a compulsive eater. I made it about me. And so the tree had just sat there with no decorations on it, and she had told me, she says, well, I want you to put that sign in your bathroom, you know, that it really works and I don't even understand it. And so I, I started printing off the sign and I ended up printing off about 10 of them and I put them all over my Christmas tree. Um, that made for some conversation. My son, my son came over and he's like, uh, what are you doing, Mom? You know, and he knew I was an OA. And he knew a little bit about AA, um, partly because of, you know, just family members and some other stuff. And so one, one day we were, we were out to eat. This is early on in my recovery. And he looks at me and he says, when are you going to do your amends to me? <laughs> and I was horrified. I thought, oh, God, I have so many. <laughs> but, you know, my sponsor calmed me down. You know, my higher power calmed me down, and it was just like, you know, you only have to do one step at a time. That's part of humility. I don't have to do all of it, and I don't have to be fixed. For the longest time, I would wake up every morning 
before OA, I'd wake up every morning and I'd get my dogs and I'd take them for a walk out the dog park and I would stop around the dog park and either I'd be crying or I'd be angry and resentful and I'd be thinking because I was a compulsive thinker of how do I fix it? How do I fix me? How do I make myself better? Um, How do I get myself out of this pain that I'm in, that I'm constantly in? And what I learned is, is that I don't have to do anything. I just have to wake up, turn my food and my life over to the care of God, and do my best for just today. That's it. That's all I have to do. And as long as I remember that, then I don't get caught up in this stuff that this that this reading that I read talks about. You know, like, it talks about without it, they cannot live much useful purpose or an adversary be able to summon the faith that can meet any emergency. When my father was dying, and he had a partner who was not treating him right in his elderly years I had the faith to get through that emergency to the point that it wasn't an emergency I didn't get you know I I said my truth I told her two days or the day the day before he died she said do you think I'm keeping you from your father and I said yes I do, and I'm concerned about him. I'm concerned about the fact that he has cancer and he's not getting any pain medication. I wouldn't have been able to do that. I would not have been able to do that without the help and the support of OA in in a loving higher power to give me the courage to say those words. Um, Let's see. With great intelligence, men of science have been forcing nature to disclose her secrets. The immense resources now being harnessed Harnessed promised such a quantity of material blessings that many have come to believe that the man-made million lies just ahead. I used to think that I needed all sorts of money, you know, money, things, prestige, status. But I was driving myself crazy. When I first came into the program, I was working a full-time job um, that tends to be a hard job, but I was probably putting like 50, 55 hours on it because I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to fix, and and, and it wasn't that I wanted to serve people because I'm in a service position. I wanted to fix them. I wanted to make them perfect. I wanted to make me perfect. And then I would go and teach. And and it wasn't like I was doing some adjunct teaching at a a university. When I was doing just one class, I was doing two classes. And, And my sponsor kind of pointed out to me, well, have you ever thought about being a human being instead of a human doing? oh I don't what what would that be like you know and I I had a second second surgery on my hip um, which that was an act of humility to trust you know and and it took a while I kept on turning it over and I kept on going to the doctors are you sure you can't fix this (laughs) Um, but rather than waiting um, because I truly do believe that waiting on my knee, I knew when I was, I had hurt my knee like when I was four, and I knew by 19 I needed to have it replaced, and I had been waiting and waiting and waiting. And I had a lack of humility in having that knee surgery done. And the reason why I had a lack of humility with it was because I was fearful of what kind of judgments other people would have on me if they knew, because I, I didn't have people come into my house. And as a 100-pounder, I didn't clean my house as probably well as I should have. And I knew that. And so my the easiest way was just to keep you out. And so I delayed that surgery that was long overdue. I was told, like, at 19, you'll need it. At 32, I was told I did need it, and I could have it at any point in time. And at 48, I was still like, well, I, I scheduled it, and then I backed out because I was afraid. And I was afraid to accept help 
for my friends. I had people who were willing to help. We'll bring you food. We'll take you to your PT. We'll do this, we'll do that. But I didn't want to accept any help. So that, that, that's a piece of humility, learning how to accept help. Um, okay. For thousands of years, we've been demanding more than our, our share of security, prestige, and romance. And, and I, a lot of my behaviors, a lot of my shortcomings centered around that was, you know, if, if you can tell me that I'm good, then I'm good. But it, my power is all out there. It wasn't inner. It wasn't inside of me. It wasn't with my higher power. And as long as I connect with my higher power, then your opinions may matter if I know you, <laughs> but they don't matter as much. You know, I mean, that, it, that, that's, it's changing. You know, if, if I know you and I trust you, but if you just come up and tell me, oh, you suck, I'm not going to get, but I used to get wigged out about that. You know, even if you didn't. I remember one time I was teaching a, a class at the college level, and, and I had probably 25 people who were interested and actively engaged in what I was saying and wanting, and I had two people who didn't. They were just taking the class to be taking the class, and they were irritated, and they didn't want to be there. But I started teaching to them. That's how my character defects worked. I started chasing after the people who did not want me, who did not ha like what I have to say, because I took everything personal. And that's a gift. I don't do that anymore. And, and when I don't do that, then my spirit is open to be of service. And I think that that's what the seventh step is about. I think it's offering ourselves up to God, to our higher power, to be of service. And to, to let go of all those shortcomings that get in the way, all that garbage. It's like a, it was in the body image workshop earlier today, and I had this image of like a billboard, because that's how I used to be with my body image. I had a billboard that I carried with me of what the ideal is for women, and then what mine was. And they never matched. And if you carry that into everything that you do, you're always going to be in a one-down position. And that's what OA has given me, is that I'm no longer in a one-down position. I'm just another bozo riding the bus. Um, I'm equal. I'm on equal footing with people. And it's, it's such a relief. And it, and it gives me so much energy because I don't have to sit there and think constantly about if I say this or if I do this or if I wear this or whatever. I'm just free to be me. And with that, then I could connect to my higher power, and, and I can walk away from conversations and think, wow, did I just say that? You know, that didn't come from me. And I'm very, very grateful um, that I have wisdom and that I have a higher power that I can rely to. Because I, 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 I do some work that I think is sacred. I think it's important work that I do in my professional life. And I need a higher power. I don't need ego. And what I had before was ego. And... Um, that ego probably hurt some people that didn't need to be hurt. And I come from a different, way different place than I used to be. And um, for that, I'm grateful. So I'm going to go ahead and stop. Thank you. Okay. Now we will have three-minute shares. We ask those of you who wish to share to line up to my left, please focus the topic on our meeting and end your share at three minutes to allow time for all those who wish to share. So whoever would like to get started.
I'm Cheryl, and I'm a compulsive reader. And thank you for your share, Nancy. That was really, really, really good. So I like the topic of humility. Um, you know, I think maybe back in the beginning it seemed like uh, like the word humiliation, and they're actually, the, I think, the complete and total opposite of each other. And um, you know, when I do my work or interact in any kind of a relationship, I always try to think of how do I just take my ego and sort of set it on the shelf? Because anytime I'm acting out of my ego, I am not in humility. And um, and I'm going to create a lose-lose situation, not a win-win. And I've, I've been told, and I actually believe, that there is no such a thing as a win-lose. It's either you all lose or you all win. So, um, you know, and it's easy when you get into something... Oh, I don't know. If you disagree with somebody, it's easy to get into that kind of power struggle and you, and wanting to be right and and all of that. Uh, but it really doesn't lead anywhere at all. So I always have that um, image in my mind. And I used to uh, facilitate large meetings. And one time at a meeting, I asked everybody. I call. I gave everybody a little box and called it an ego box, and asked everybody to put something in there that they identified with, like their credit card or their key or whatever. And I said that during the course of the meeting. You can speak from your ego, or you can speak. It's okay to speak from that point, but uh, when you do, you have to open your box. And when you're not, which just made everyone really conscious, of course. And the meeting went so well <laughs> because even people. This wasn't a 12-step meeting I'm talking about at all. So even people that aren't involved in this can understand when we get into that space. So um, you know, in the humility, um, as Nancy was talking about, to ask for help, which is sometimes difficult, and um, Sometimes I don't ask for help. I, I don't think it's because I have a lack of humility. It's because, you know, I go back to, uh, you know, being pretty much, uh, this is somewhat of an exaggeration, but pretty much self-reliant from the point from the day I was born because there really wasn't anybody, you know, to, to, to take care of me. Um, and so I just got used to the idea that, you know, I'm going to have to figure out everything for myself because there's no point in asking anyone else because anyone else at that point was my parents. Um, so I just forget to ask sometimes. I just honestly, totally forget to ask. And if someone reminds me, which is what we all do for each other, that maybe I'd ask for help, um, then it's like, oh, yeah, why don't I do that? There's probably somebody that could actually help me. And you know what? There always is. Um, and I think that you know, one of the benefits that I get from the OA meetings I go to is just listening to a lot of other people um, talk about you know, what they do. And that's how I get a lot of ideas. Because, um, you know, no matter how smart you are, until you get something new in here, you just have the same old track here. You've already visited this a lot of times. So there's kind of nothing new in there. Unless you go out and ask somebody else for something new to put into here so you can do some new kind of thinking and have some new kind of behavior. Um, so I find that, uh, you know, all the things we do in OA are really helpful. The, you know, the reading, the talking, the listening, and so forth. I think it's my time up. Thank you all. Hi, I'm Melody. I'm a compulsive overeater. I was thinking it's not very humble to get up here and speak. Um, (laughs) 
So I am not at this step. I'm at the fourth step, and uh, but in I'm, I've done this step in another program. So I kind of have learned how to live and be teachable. I kind of I want to thank you for sharing. It was really touching. Um, you know, and I, I find that when I'm teachable and I'm listening and I'm I'm open to what other people are saying that I. I love myself, and then when I find that I put my ego out there, that I beat myself up. Oh, you put your ego out there. You know, I'm thinking mostly at work, and um, and 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 because I, I kind of let my ego run rampant when I'm not at work. <laughs> but um, so so I'm, I guess I'm I'm still in process of kind of containing it. You know, this program has um, really been. Um, a new eye opening for me, and um, having life between food is such a new experience. I have seven months abstinent here, and um, it's it's amazing. It's really touching for me, and um, being humble is probably the only way I could do this, you know, because being in another program and I've been 33 years sober there and, you know, then I could come in here and go, yeah, I understand the steps. I know God. He's my best friend. And, you know, I know everything. And I, I got a sponsor that's like 40 years younger than me. And I got somebody who has five years. And I, I just feel like it's really, um, it's like a practice of being humble. And it feels awesome. And, uh, I'm really excited about this meeting. It's really cool. Thanks a lot for letting me share. Karen Compulsive Eater. Hi. Um, I really don't think I have any experience on this subject, so I didn't want to share. But, but then I'm thinking there is an instance, and I should share about it, because then I might be more apt to remember my problem. But um, I've been in the program for about two and a half, three years, and I think I've been really teachable. You know, I've, my life has completely changed from just all the crap that I've been through. and But now I'm newly in a relationship. I got married in January, which I had been single for 16 years. And um, and then I just recently had the shoulder surgery. So I've been off for three months with my retired husband. And um, I do have a huge ego. 
you know, with him. It's weird because I'm really teachable in the program, but I see these defects that he has because he's not in the program, and I think it's my job to teach him, you know, and it's just creating all kinds of problems. So I really need to um, to learn humility in my relationship at home, you know, and take it from the program and remember it at home because there are so many instances where I just need to shut my mouth and and let my higher power guide me. And I forget that when, you know, when we get into those power struggles. So I just thought maybe if I mentioned that, it would stay in here. So anyway, that's it. Thank you. overeater and uh, because I first came to OA like when I was like 30 and now I'm almost 63 I did take a little break in the middle somewhere and gained like 30 pounds within four years but uh, it seems like after you've been coming for a long time and I know the program I know and I listen to all these other spiritual things and everything and I have a great higher power but then, like, putting it into action every day, it is tough. And I feel like I should, you know, all of the shoulds, I should do better than I do. You know, and I still do eat compulsively. So I would, I would not say that I have long-term abstinence or something like that. I got to a point, and I have been able to stay at this weight. And I can do everything, you know, but I don't like it. I know that this isn't the healthiest weight, and some of my choices are bad. But having the humility to do what my sponsor would say or to drop some of the foods that I know are not great, it's been tough. So I really appreciated everything you shared. That was great. And uh, I lived through this. I'm Bob. I'm a compulsive overeater. I uh, I don't know. Do you guys know who Dr. Paul O is? Any of you? Some of you do, and some of you don't. Well, I was listening to him speak. Uh, somebody, a friend of mine, gave me one of his uh, uh, speaking engagements in uh, AA. I'm not a member of AA, but. Um, what he said at the very beginning was really uh, interesting. He said, um, it's really hard to be humble when nobody notices. <laughs> now, uh, now, I don't know about you, but my ego tells me, you know, I should get credit for what I'm doing. <laughs> and... My wife should like me more for taking in the groceries and uh, for the things that I do around the house, and she should pay more attention to me. And um, my granddaughter should pay more attention to me when I give her money. And um, 
I really want to be appreciated. That's the thing. I really want to be appreciated. And um, the thing was, for me, is uh, my ego is sort of like a roller coaster ride. Like at work, I wanted to be the very best psych tech I could be. At first, I just wanted to survive, but later on, I wanted to be the best. And so uh, when I left uh, the employment that I had there, at the, that employment, um, I heard that they had like a revolt on the shift after me. <laughs> so I accomplished that, but I also was 300. <laughs> so I was also like having 300 pounds, you know. I was three, 300 and some pounds. I came in when I was 39 and... 1989, and my sponsor tried to teach me humility by uh, starting me praying every day, which is not something that I was particularly comfortable with and stuff, but I love my sponsor. He's a great guy, and uh, he was a fighter pilot during World War II, and he's just quite the man at his age, and... um, he always told me, ask yourself before you do take any action, what's the most loving thing I can do? And I, you know, the closer I stay to that, the more I act in humility, I find. Because it does help me to, to be kind to other people. Anyway, thank you for letting me share. I'm up from um, Vancouver, BC, Canada. Um, I'm shaking. I came up with two with a group of friends. We came up for the conference, and um, I've been in OA for about two years. But I, I'm a, I'm an OA dabbler, you know. I I I try my best, you know. But it's not good enough. You know, it always feels like it's not good enough. So I came, we're here, the people that I'm with are, you know, probably my vision of where I want to be one day. You know, I feel that serenity and that happiness from within, and that's kind of my my vision right now. So I was wandering around this morning, and, you know, I I recognized as I sat there today that, you know, I, I haven't felt like I was okay to be here. I wasn't good enough to be here. Everybody here has got it together but me. And, you know, I think I've been walking around feeling a little bit like I was a farce. I was a cheater. You know, I'm in this OA meeting, and I'm not squeaky clean, and I'm not perfect. And and I don't know why I felt so compelled to come to the meeting this morning, this one, until I heard you speak. And I've been sitting there feeling the tears want to come because, you know, I really could feel the connection that... You know, that that's kind of where I am, you know. I, I, I see it out there. I want to be there. I'm fighting the steps. I, You know, I, my ego must be saying I, I don't need the steps. I can do better on my own. But I know that I need to, I know I need to, you know, get that sponsor and uh, take, take that step to, uh, you know, put the ego down and 
uh, take that next step. So, anyways, I'm really glad to be here. I still can't believe I'm standing up here. But anyways, thank you. Thank you for your story. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I too am from Vancouver. So what a great topic. Thank you so much. Sorry we were a bit late. It's hard to find ourselves around, but glad we were able to get in and hear. So humility for me um, is huge. And it isn't, it, it was, for me, humility was also humility for myself. Um, and humility around uh, forgiving myself, finding ways to be humble to me, um, which was very, very difficult. So, because the humility, I, I loved, you know, a little bit what I heard about the extremes, you know, the all or nothing. And, um, you know, it's so hard to like yourself when you're not, you know, abstinent. I mean, or even have an awareness of all that. So, I'm happy to say I have four and a half years now, day by day, you know. I used to say to people... Oh, I'm not a perfectionist before I even heard of OA. I stumbled in on OA. I had no idea I was an overeater. Figure. Um, yeah. So um, I used to say, oh, no. Yeah. No, I'm really relaxed. You know, I'm easy come, easy go. Until I started to realize, like, easy come, I go on the outside. Hardly easy come, easy go on the inside. And I just wore my life differently than other people. So humility for me means... Bless them, change me. It means um, a, a daily, daily uh, focus on the program, on service, on some kind of service somewhere. So get away from me and get into somebody else. Does somebody else need something? And I always need to be careful because, you know, along with OA comes codependency. And there's that undercurrent there, too. So I always have to be aware. Humility, service, and keeping track of my codependency issues so that we do not ignore ourselves in the care of other people. It is a very big, fine balance for me, anyway. Because I can just forget about you know me completely, which then puts me back in a resentment kind of place or a ego kind of place and you know and then it just kind of builds up all over again so really glad to be here oh my god palm springs so hot oh thank you okay it is now time to close the session thank all of you who have attended and chair after a moment of silence let's join hands and close with seventh step prayer Sound good? Yeah? Okay.